Hello, and welcome back to the Bicycle Mechanics Podcast. My name is Matt Taini, and I will be your host on this bicycle journey. That sounded kind of cheesy, sorry. Anyway, we are on podcast number 16 today, and I have three different little little stories here. Uh, first one is going to be Kid versus Bicycle and the Bicycle Detective. Uh, part two will be a little bit, a little uh, Campagnola instructions for use I found in uh, my fun Campagnola book that I like to reference for the show. And then f- finally, we're going to do a little piece on uh, being a neutral mechanic versus being a team mechanic. Anyway, so our first story will be Kid versus Bicycle and the Bicycle Detective. So this one uh, is one of the most interesting, frustrating, educational, and annoying interactions uh, that every bike shop employee will have to endure at some point in their bicycle shop career. Um, There are ways to to survive this interaction, and there are ways to get sacked, canned, fired, let go, and so on. Well, you get it. And if you're, you're, you've had this experience even once, uh, you don't forget it ever. So here's an example. Uh, an adult uh, parent or guardian drops off a kid's bike and states, little Johnny or little Jeanette was just riding and it happened. Rear tire got a flat spot that all of a sudden has no tread. Rear derailleur is stuck into the rear wheel, broken spokes, smashed derailleur, ouch. Saddle rails are bent, handlebars are scuffed, and shifter is broken. Brake lever is bent. Well, you get the idea. On the customer's behalf, it's always, uh, well, almost always, the bicycle's fault, or maybe the mechanic's fault, the shop. You get it, anyone but the individual actually riding it. So here's the thing, bikes don't ride on their own. They need a pilot to basically do anything. This is where bicycle mechanic detectives can get into trouble. The old saying, the customer is always right, rarely ever applies to the world of the bicycle industry. And most notably, not to the sphere of us, the bicycle mechanics. We all probably have endless examples of a customer telling us how to do our job, or more commonly, how long it should take. Once we had a customer drop off a mail order bicycle in a box, and I overheard him tell the service advisor that it shouldn't take too long to assemble as it was equipped with Shimano Ultegra. I whispered to a fellow mechanic that he should have purchased the Durace model because it builds itself. Needless to say, the fork was damaged in shipping and it was weeks before he received a replacement. Mail order bikes, another topic for another day. So the way it works is first, it's kid versus bicycle, then enter you, the bicycle detective, and sometimes mediator between a kid not telling the truth, or at least not telling the whole story. A bike, the kid's bike, comes into the shop with derailleurs bent and twisted in a way, as a mechanic, you know there's got to be some kind of operator error involved in this mess. It's a bike your shop sold, and you're pretty darn sure it was operating well when it was sold and went out the door and into the sphere of this kid wonder, the destructor. Parents always believe their child does not lie. This is what we call a universal truth, especially when the child is young. Children come to a realization 
at what age, I'm not sure, but it's different for different kids, that they can lie and sometimes, especially early on, get away with it. As parents, we usually figure this out at some point. But until that happens, little Johnny or Jeanette, my little Johnny or Jeanette, does not lie. If you're lucky enough to deal with a parent who knows this truth about their, chil- about their children, you'll have an easier time with this twisted mess of metal and plastic. In my experience, these enlightened parental units are as rare as a customer who cleans and lubes their bikes regularly, cleans and lubes properly, no tri-flow chain or power wash bottom brackets. Anyway, they'll often say he or she was just riding, JRA, right? Sometimes followed by, this shouldn't happen to a new bike. If we could just somehow follow the journey of this poor bicycle, on that journey we may see some terrible things. These things might be one, some, or all of the following things. Parent jamming the bike in and out of the back of an undersized vehicle. Kid shifting both derailers simultaneously while pedaling hard. Kid doing, kid doing some big air jumps followed by a crash. Skidding, only using the rear brake, ghost riding the bike. Parent backing over the bike while in the driveway or knocking it over without knowing. Bike jousting, jumping and landing on the rear wheel then slamming the front of the bike down. Trying to copy some YouTube video bike stunts. Sibling destruction on the down low. No one is aware of this event except, of course, the sibling destructor. What are some things you've seen as a bicycle mechanic when it comes to this? Share that with me at the Bicycle Mechanics Podcast at gmail.com. And if it's good enough and funny enough, we will definitely share it on this podcast. And of course, these kids grow up and sometimes become lying adults. Sad but true. JRA, right? Let me just state that things do not often go wrong on a bicycle when someone is just riding along. The only time I can imagine this would be when I was just riding along and a car or other vehicle ran into me, a rock fell on me, the cliff gave way, and so on. You get the idea. Try this one. How about, I was riding like I was in the tour. I had just gotten up after crashing on a banana peel, landing on my rear derailleur, and thus bending it. Then I shifted to ascend Alp d'Huez, and my rear derailleur jammed into my rear wheel, broke several spokes, and I just kept pedaling hard. Then it just snapped off and slammed into my carbon seat stay and broke that too. But I then pedaled even harder because I thought that might fix the problem. The beauty of this little story is that the bicycle mechanic detective already knows this before that pesky customer can even say I was just riding along. There seems to be a disconnect between this customer bringing us their bike to fix and the idea that we know all things bicycles. This is to say we can see the evidence in front of us. The bicycle does not lie to us. Asking, did you crash, while knowing the answer already by the damage to the grip, saddle, pedal, handlebars, rear derailleur, all on the drive side, point to some serious land surfing. Of course you crashed. 
just tell us the story of how it happened and let's get to fixing it so so we can get you back on the road or trail in short help us help you and so we move on to our next little story it's not really a story it's kind of uh, some suggestions so it's out of the Campagnola book. Uh, it's called Campagnola Instructions for Use, 10 Practical Suggestions. Now these are all pretty good, except for number 10 is really weird. Um, so here we go. Not everyone reads the instructions that come with bicycles. Here are several tips and a few tricks to help keep the modern bicycle in shape. The torque wrench, number one. Do people really use it? By now, this tool is considered indispensable in any workshop. Super light components and the widespread use of carbon fiber have made it indispens indispensable. Campagnola provides the necessary defined torques in its instruction sheets. Number two, no grease on carbon seat post. Do not apply grease to the shaft of a carbon seat post made by Campagnola or any other manufacturer. If you really want to protect it from infiltrations of water, it is best to use an appropriate friction paste. Grease would make the surfaces slippery and the result would be more force would be required to tighten the seat post collar than is recommended by Campagnola. Number three, grease on threads. It is advisable to grease the threads of the bottom bracket cups and pedals. Grease the first, greasing the first will avoid irritating creaking while pedaling. The second will make them easier to remove if needed. Nor is it necessary to over-tighten the pedals. The opposite threading is designed so that the direction of pedaling tends to allow to screw the axle on the crank arm. Number four, carbon wheels, special pads. This is an error that even professionals commit. Wheels with braking surfaces in carbon will require the use of special pads that will not suffer from the sudden increase in temperature caused by friction on carbon wheels, which does not disperse heat the way aluminum does. Campagnola has designed pads that initially dirty the braking surface, but that render, render it optimal for use and operation. For this reason, it is not a good idea to repeatedly clean the braking surface. Doing so means beginning the braking process all over again. Number five. Maintenance of the brake pads. Brake pads should be periodically checked, not only for the extent of wear, according to Campagnola, the wear limit is at the bottom of the grooves, but also for alignment since they should meet the wheel rim directly. Bear in mind that the wheel causes a certain bending and thus irregular wear. Number six, cables and housing, crucial zones. Gears and brakes are operated by means of cables that run through special housing. It is important to maintain the housing at an optimal level of functioning to guarantee precision gear changes and the safe operation of the brakes. Campagnola housings are lined with Teflon to optimize cable movement. There is no reason to grease a housing since doing so would only make it gummy and prevent smooth movement of the cable. Number seven, chain, when and how. A worn chain aside from ruining chain rings and sprockets is also at risk of breaking. To check the state of a chain, you have to measure the distance between six external links. According to Campagnola, this distance should be at most 132.6 millimeters. Furthermore, remember that you must use a new retention pin each time you install a Campagnola chain. Otherwise, security cannot be guaranteed 
and there is risk of serious danger. When installing a chain, follow the manufacturer's instruction to the letter. Perfect cleaning of the chain. Number eight. Through regular use, it is normal for dirt to adhere to the chain. Removing this dirt can be difficult, and using solvents is not a good idea since there is a risk of ruining the exterior treatment of the links put on Campagnola chains to optimize their functioning. Following this method, before going out on a ride, put a great deal of lubricant on the chain. As you pedal, this lubricant will loosen the encrustations on the links so that when you go home and clean the chain with a simple wipe of a rag, be regularly facilitated. Attention to the position, number nine. Before removing the saddle and seat post, you need to record the current position for putting them back. Otherwise, getting it right again can be annoying. Remember, however, that Campagnola clearly calls for use of nothing more than adhesive tape to indicate such positions. Never make notches or scratches on components, especially if they are made of composite material. Okay, so those top nine are pretty good. So number 10 is a little strange. I'll just leave it out there for you and you can take away from it what you like. Number 10, do you, do you have small hands? A trick to get the brake levers close to the handlebar grip is to insert a small screw in the body of the hand rest near the release button of the brake lever. This is an ingenious solution, but does not have certification from Campagnola. So anyone who does it is on his own. Kind of an interesting one. And for our final little story today, we're gonna, I'm gonna do a little uh, bit here on neutral race mechanics versus team race mechanics. Um, these two roles are very important in the world of bicycle racing, but they differ greatly in many ways. Um, most of my experience is on the side of the team mechanic. However, I have had some work as a neutral mechanic. Um, I, I'd also uh, become good friends with many neutral mechanics. Um, some of the neutral mechanics are the ones uh, driving and sitting in the back seat of vehicles and motorcycles in the race caravan who are there to help any, everyone and anyone whose team mechanic is not available at any given moment in the race, which is common. Um, some uh, common neutral support uh, service teams are uh, Mavic, uh, Shimano, SRAM, Volvo, and many others on the local and regional level. Um, let's not forget Campagnola, especially in the U.S. back in the 70s and 80s with Bill Woodall and company, including, but not limited to, the legendary Jim Ingram. I think one of the hardest jobs in the race caravan belongs to the neutral mechanic on the motorcycle. Uh, sitting as a passenger on a motorcycle for between three and six hours waiting for the time to come when you're expected to jump off after the motorcycle has stopped, of course, and do a fast wheel change. Uh, it, it used to be the moto mechanic would carry just a, a front wheel and a rear wheel, but when we were uh, making the jump from 8-speed to 9, 10, and 11, uh, the moto would have to have um, at least three different rear wheels. Um, when the mechanics would jump off the motorcycle, they'd yell, 9, 10, 11. I remember hearing that, and I first time I heard it, I was like, What's he, why is he yelling that? And then I, my mechanic brain kind of clicked in, and I figured it out. So, meanwhile, the team mechanic 
is probably sleeping in the back seat of a comfy team vehicle. If not sleeping, at least probably pretty close to it. Uh, the neutral moto would will often uh, follow a breakaway that, that doesn't have enough time between them and the main field. So it usually had to be, from what I remember, at least one minute ahead. The breakaway would have to be one minute ahead um, of the main field for the race officials to even consider letting team cars into the gap to support their racers in the breakaway. So here's a view of the difference between neutral and team mechanic from someone who has done a lot of both. Um, his name is Mitch Clinton. I met Mitch when I worked at Wheelsmith in Palo Alto for about a year, and it turned out we had never met before, but he had done uh, race support uh, before I started, and he had stopped doing it. Um, so we had actually a lot in common. We knew a lot of the same people. Mitch has worked uh, Paris-Roubaix and some other races in Europe. He's worked a lot in the States. Uh, he worked for Mavic, like I said, and he did work for... Uh, Eddie B's team, uh, Subaru Montgomery, I believe, and possibly another team in there somewhere. So Mitch has a lot of experience with both. So I asked Mitch, um, what's the main differences between neutral and team uh, mechanic race stuff? And uh, here his his reply. Um, he says, uh, it's much easier being neutral. Um, you loan a few wheels out, maybe a bike, get them back after the race, wash them, check them out, then go to dinner. With the team, each bike comes with a rider who has demands and needs and wants, and not just one bike, but each rider has several. They, are all, they all have to be perfect, or at least what the rider thinks is perfect. And this is true, the, the fact that they all the team riders have more than one bike. They have a bike at home, they have a bike the team takes around with them, and then a spare bike and a time trial bike, so it is a lot. Uh, with neutral, you are very unlikely to have your equipment all smashed up in a big pileup that requires extra hours of repair after the daily duties are done. And this is really true. When there's a big crash and you have a couple riders in it as a team mechanic, you're going to be changing out handlebars and, and some other stuff uh, on that bike, maybe derailleur. Probably got some smashed up wheels. So it does, you know, you got to bring everything back to the original uh the original measurements um, has to be perfect because uh, these racers spend so much time on their bikes. Um, it does take a while to get them back to normal. Just something as simple as changing a handlebar seems like it would be easy. Um, not always. So Mitch goes on to say, however, doing neutral support at smaller races, you may be the only mechanic for 150 racers. Some may be big shots who have not seen their regular mechanics for weeks and lesser categories that can't afford a mechanic, so they get it when they can. In the scenario, neutral is much harder in this scenario. Also, being a neutral mechanic at bigger races can be a snooze or sheer panic. Following the race, if all the team cars are there behind the brake, like we talked about before, take a nap. But you get a break with one racer from each team, all, diff all on different equipment, and a 40 second gap so the team cars can't go behind them 20 kilometers from the finish and you are the only support for all of these racers that is stressful and keep in mind i'm going to deviate a little bit from what mitch said here and keep in mind the neutral mechanics often do have spare bikes as well especially at the bigger races but consider the different uh, sizes uh, uh, handlebar widths um, 
seat seat heights and of course pedals um, that different teams use they don't all use the same thing so if you someone one of them needed a spare bike that is not a quick change um, so let's go back to Mitch so that is stuff ulcers are made of just sitting in the middle of the back seat eyes glued on their every little twitch just praying nothing happens especially to the especially to the hometown favorite just my recollection Mitch says now I need a drink <laughs> So that last part sums up uh, a team mechanic's feeling during the last kilometers of any race. Um, you've got a racer in a break flying towards the finish line. That is, you are on the edge of your seat. You are not asleep. Um, all said, they are both difficult and stressful jobs at different times. Mechanics for road cycling are often the unsung heroes of the sport. On the clock for many more hours overall than pretty much anyone else at the races why we do it because we love it not to get famous or even notice but it sure is nice when that happens so that's our show for today and i hope you enjoyed it don't forget you can always email me at the bicycle mechanics podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions comments or concerns or just want to say hello.